Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to Holistic Living. This is Tara. On today's episode, I am talking about leaving the country and getting present. We are going to start talking about my family and I and how we all sold the majority of what we owned, left the country for an adventure, came back to the country, and the lessons that are now unfolding for us. So let's get started. So about two years ago, my family and I sold almost everything we owned. We had decided that when my husband retired from the military, we were going to travel. In lieu of getting a job, he wanted some time off. And so we decided, what better way than to travel and take that time off and explore countries that we had been wanting to explore and live in cultures that we had been wanting to live in. And so we made the decision. It took us a very short amount of time to make the decision. It took us about eight months to really make the plan and leave the country. So within an eight-month period, we sold almost everything that we owned. It was a process. It wasn't something that we just did overnight because we were so attached, as are we all, attached to our belongings, attached to the lifestyle that they have created for us, these belongings. We are attached to the personality that these belongings make us or give us or present to us. So letting go of your belongings, of all the things that you own and that you've collected is an incredible process. This, again, wasn't something that happened overnight. We had to let it organically happen. So just as soon as we had made the statement, yes, I'm going to get rid of all this, but I could never get rid of this your brain starts to process around that. And so you get rid of everything that you said you were going to get rid of. And that one thing that you said that you weren't going to get rid of kind of sits there. And then maybe the next time the garage sale comes around, you're ready to get rid of that thing. And so this evolved and happened. And we had so many garage sales and we put so much stuff up for sale on Craigslist and all different other kinds of websites. It was such a process of letting go of what we owned or that was owning us. We got rid of our cars. In the middle of our travels, we finally sold our house. We kept beds, like mattresses. We didn't even keep anything else. We kept the mattresses, clothes, but a very small amount of clothes. We kept a few things of memorabilia. We kept kitchen items, and we kept a few garage items. So we had just enough stuff that would fit in a very small container, and we left the country. Our intention for this whole trip was to just reconnect. We had no agenda on travel. We didn't have an agenda as to where we went or how long we stayed, where the next place was. We didn't know where the next place was going to be. All we knew 
was that we had plane tickets to a little bitty village on the Caribbean side of Costa Rica, and that's where we were going to land. After that, we would just wing it, and we would know as a family when it was time to go and where the next destination was. And so we did it. After eight months of, of letting go of our belongings and letting go of more and letting go of more, when we got on the plane, I felt almost weightless. Everything that I had with me was in my backpack in the belly of the plane, and that's all I needed for I didn't know how long, years. It could be years. That was it. And so the feeling that I felt that day leaving L.A., I have never felt, nor do I know that I will ever feel again unless we embark upon that journey, knowing that you don't have a home to go home to, that you, knowing that you don't have schedules to adhere to or your belongings to take care of, or that you're going on vacation and that when you come back, you have all this stuff to take care of. None of that, zero, was playing out in my mind. There was no chatter. I was overwhelmed to the point of tears because of the feeling, the feeling of utter weightlessness of having any other responsibility other than for myself and the three other people that were on that plane with me. It's an incredible feeling, one that I can only explain that I felt that one particular time in my life. And so we left the country, and our first destination was Costa Rica in a little bitty village, Mazanillo, right on the border. Well, we were in the rainforest already. It was on the border of the rainforest jungle, on the border of the uh, Panama, the Panamanian border. And so we lived in this dreamy lifestyle, but we lived like the rest of the culture lived. We lived like the locals lived. We lived on their foods. There were a lot of things that weren't available to me that I was used to having in the States that I couldn't get. And so we learned how to live just like everyone else did. And that was an intention for our trip, that we weren't going to live lavishly or that we were on a vacation. We lived in hostels. We lived in little shacks. We lived in little apartments. We weren't living high on the hog. We were living extremely mildly as so that we would have money for our travels and so that we were immersed in the cultures. We didn't want to be away from each culture that we were in. And so I want to just tell you what sparked this conversation today because it's not what I had planned. I had planned something else around holiday and slowing down, although we're going to talk about reconnecting. But what sparked this conversation today was my session with my book coach. I am writing a book about how our travels affected us on so many levels, mainly me. (laughs) I'm going to be interviewing my family for pieces and parts of the book. And so 
my writing coach was asking me today is really dug into a place. I wanted to talk about what's up for me with my coach in my personal life and how that was affecting how I was writing the book. Conversely, how I was not writing and how it was affecting me. And so we dug into that. And the beauty of my writing coach is that she has the incredible ability to listen. To listen to what I'm saying and to listen to what I'm not saying. And so today was even more about listening to what I wasn't saying, but listening to the flow of my conversation and what I wasn't articulating. And so as she asked me about the lifestyle that we were living in Costa Rica and why I had just expressed the desire to go back to Costa Rica and live, and as I had been writing each morning, writing this book, how I would just immerse myself in all of the sounds and the smells and the feeling and the vibe of Costa Rica. She asked me how I was so present in our day-to-day life and what was missing today in this life that isn't present. And so that is what I want to share with you today how we found that piece of presence and that piece of connectedness to ourselves and to the ebb and flow of the universe and to the ebb and flow of our internal guidance system, our own GPS, and how I want to get back to that piece of ebb and flow and listening to that piece. So let me start by saying and talking about how our day flowed. So when you live somewhere that is right next to the equator, as you probably know, the sun rises and sets pretty much the same every day. So for where we were living, 5.30 was it, 5.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Sun rose and set maybe a minute or two before and after, but that was pretty much it. So by 5.30, by 5, you know, the sun is already rising and it's already light outside. So by 5.30, the sun is up. Everyone is up. School will start around 6.30 or 7. And so our day, we could never wrap our heads around getting up at 5.30 (laughs) unless we had to be somewhere to catch a bus or get a train. Um, And so we had our bodies calibrated to getting up around seven, at least mine did. I can only speak for myself. And so I learned to get up around seven and I had probably a half an hour to an hour by myself. And so when I would get up, all of the jungle sounds were already wide awake. You could hear the toucans squawking, or you could hear all of the many birds chirping, or the bugs buzzing, or you could probably hear the howler monkeys. If you've ever heard the howler monkeys, they sound like a T-Rex 
at the top of his lungs, bellowing through the forest, when in fact, howler monkeys are a very small monkey that swing from the top of the palm trees and all of the other trees in the jungle. And so you could hear these. And so all of these sounds and the sweet, sweet smells of ylang ylang bush that grows in Costa Rica would come into my nose. And I would smell very faint smell someone else starting the coffee or someone else's coffee that might have been on for hours already. And so it might have had a small burned singe to it. And so when I would wake up and open up our windows, so we lived in an open air house in that our living room per se was outside. The only things that were inside were our kitchen and our bedrooms and our bathroom. But even those were felt like they were outside because you lifted half your wall was a big wooden window. So as you've probably seen in any Caribbean movies, you open up your window, you tilt it all the way up, this big ginormous piece of wood. You push it from the bottom, you push it all the way up, and then you prop it open with another piece of wood, almost as if opening up um, a uh, concession stand. And so my kitchen had a huge window like that. And so I opened up that window every morning. I opened up our front door, which led out onto our dining room and our living room area. And so I would open everything up. That was my first thing I did in the morning. And then I would decide, and I would make some coffee. And then I would decide whether or not I felt like running that day, just on the beach, whether or not I felt like just taking a walk, on the beach, or whether I felt like doing yoga on the beach. And so it was that connected piece of listening of what my body wanted. And let me just say the beautiful piece of that is because I had no other societal norms that I thought I should be subscribing to because I was in a society that I knew nothing about. I really didn't know any of these people other than saying good morning to them or connecting to. There were a couple of people that we connected, but even still, they didn't really know me and I didn't really know them. And so I didn't feel any responsibility to act a certain way, to look a certain way, to be a certain way. And so in saying that, the expectations that I had for myself on whether I ran every single day to keep up an appearance or whether I did yoga every single day so that I was fully stretched out. None of that chatter was even in my background playing. I just listened to see what I felt like doing. I probably exercised six times a week simply because we were outdoors continuously. So even if I would take the morning off, if I didn't feel like running or doing yoga or just taking a walk, at some point during the day, we were either swimming in the ocean or bike riding or walking on the beach. And so I listened. I listened for what my body wanted to do at that point. And then I would go do it, be it yoga or run or walk. And then we came back, if my husband went with, and we would make 
smoothies for the morning because we had fresh coconut. We had a uh, coconut tree in our yard. We had a papaya tree in our yard, and we had pineapple bushes in our yard. And then the other veg or the other fruits that we couldn't get literally came to us via a truck. The the um, fruit and veggie guy had all the fruits and veggies in the back of his truck and would come around mm, two to three times a week selling them, and he would drive right in front of my house, or I would hear his jingle playing on his truck, almost like the ice cream man, and I would search him down. And that's where I would buy 95% of my fresh fruits and veggies. And so breakfast was, by and large, huge fruit smoothies with fresh coconut water. Um, If we had the right coconut, I would use the coconut um, meat. Um, And then we would plan out our day. So depending on what needed to be done or what didn't need to be done that day, we would plan out our day. And so my writing coach was reminding me of that piece of listening and how we were so tuned in to the ebb and flow of listening to our life and how we just allowed the peace of our life to flow almost moment by moment. So when we were planning out our days, we would sit out at the table that was outside our dining room table and we would decide. So do we want to go rent bikes today and go bike riding all day? Do we want to ride down to the next village and go to super fabulous pizza place? Do we want to go later and go snorkeling? Just go sunbathe? Do we want to go play in the ocean? Do we want to go walk a mile down the ocean and just sunbathe and hang out there for the entire day? Or do we really need to do laundry today? Because laundry is not doing laundry there. It's not like doing laundry here. (laughs) It was almost an entire, well, pretty much a half a day, a full half day chore. I'll tell you that here in a second. And so we would just decide, and maybe all of us wanted to participate in that daily piece, and maybe only two of us wanted to participate. Maybe two of us wanted to take the bikes and ride down to the next town. Maybe we needed some groceries, so we would take our backpacks, we go to the grocery store with our bikes. We would put groceries in our bags and groceries in our baskets, and then we would ride home. So that was like a um, like an 18 kilometer ride, so like 10 uh, 10 miles. Maybe the other two wanted to walk in the jungle and take a jungle hike that day, or maybe two of us were going to go on bikes. One of us was going to go in the jungle, and the other was going to take his hammock and go find a spot for the day and listen to music and just chill out and think or do nothing. And so each day was able to flow like that. And I've been missing that ebb and flow of my life. The ability to just allow my life to happen versus scheduling myself out almost every minute of the day I think that's why I keep dreaming 
of our life on the road. Because, again, unless we were traveling specifically, our life was planned out on the daily basis, not, you know, weeks in advance or months in advance. Let's chat about the laundry (laughs) real quick. Laundry day was really fun. So my husband was in charge of laundry because he has been in several foreign countries before and used these particular types of laundry uh, machines, washing machines. And so you open up the top, the lid opens at the top, and it's a huge drum. Well, actually, it's not even huge. I mean, it can hold like maybe a couple pair of jeans and maybe a couple T-shirts and maybe some socks and a few undies. That's it. And so it took us, like I said, like half the day to do laundry. And so you had to make sure that the right button was turned on or switched over to allow the water to come in versus going out. So you let it fill halfway up. Then you poured in the uh, granulated powder, washing powder. Let you fill that up again. And then you put your clothes in. And then you turned it on the cycle. And that took like maybe 10 minutes. And you had to really listen for when it was done because it would just sit there when it was done. It didn't, you had to manually click each cycle. So he would have to go back in and turn the cycle, turn the knob to release and let the water drain. Then when it was done draining, he would have to turn the knob again, turn the water back on to rinse. So he rinsed several times, if not, sometimes having to just rewash the whole load again. It wasn't a very proficient machine. I mean, this is a brand new machine, but this is just how, in this little bitty village, the laundry was done. And so after this whole process, it was like an hour process, probably maybe 45 minutes for each load. And so... Laundry was done. Now, granted, we wore stuff three, four, five times, same time in one week because we were mostly in the ocean or had our swimming clothes on or, for me, a very light sundress. And so we wore the same things over and over again. So we didn't have tons of laundry like we do here in the States. And so after he was done with that, the boys, my two boys that were with us, were in charge of hanging the laundry because we didn't have a dryer machine. We didn't have a dryer. No one had a dryer there. Interestingly enough, and as we were living in the jungle, the humidity was, you know, outrageous. And so it took a long time for stuff to dry. So he would holler for the boys to come and get the clothes to take them upstairs. And at that point, my children had strung ropes that we brought with us, that my son brought with us, that I, in the States, almost chastised him for bringing so much rope because I said, Ben, We will never need that much rope. Why are you bringing all this rope with us on this adventure? Little did I know we used that rope and could probably have used more. So they would take the clothes upstairs and then hang them out. So we had an upstairs that was completely open air as well. With um, It was like a cabana with uh, one, two, three, four ceiling fans upstairs on this open air balcony. And that's where they had draped all of the ropes, but then they hung up all of our clothes. So then for the rest of the day and night, so it was at least a 24-hour drying period, they would dry. And then in the morning, they would go and feel them, and then flip them all over. And then if they weren't dry, we would let them dry for the rest of the day. If it was raining, God, it took like three days probably to dry your clothes. 
And then the people that actually lived in the jungle, there were cabins that lived in, that uh, were in the jungle and visitors could come and stay in the cabin, vacationers. I don't even know if their clothes got fully dry because it was a rainforest. I mean, it's moist. So that was laundry day. And so that would take us the majority of the day. By the time the boys woke up and then by the time that we got to doing our laundry, that would take the majority of the day. We would have late afternoon. But then again, by 5.30, it was dark. So that was kind of the only thing that we would plan out for that. Back to reconnecting and getting present. And so when we did go out on these adventures during the day, I'll give you one example. So when we would decide that we all four wanted to, this is probably once a week that we all four did this adventure. It was really fun. We would pack up lunches in our backpacks. We would take the hammocks. We would take our blankets um, for the beach, our drinks, food, snacks. Um, what else? I think that was it. So we would walk down probably about half a mile was a really good spot on the beach. Um, great surf. There were no coral reefs at that point so that we could just go out and play in the surf and, oh, we would take our music with us too. So we had a Bluetooth speaker that we would turn on and listen to the music sometimes. And so we would be there four hours, three or four hours sometimes. Like they would have their hammocks as well and they would take them right at the edge of the um, forest, the rainforest, and find a couple of trees, palm trees usually, and just hang up their hammocks and take a nap or listen to their own music. These were some of the times when we had our best conversations. Sometimes they would be really fun, lighthearted conversations. Sometimes they would be really in-depth conversations. And sometimes they would be rehashing of something that had not been finished from the day before, like something um, tense that needed to be finished. And so having the ability to have the awareness and the mindfulness and the consciousness to have these kinds of conversations and to listen to the flow of the family and what the family wanted to do was awesome. I miss that. And I miss having that space. And so this is what my writing coach, as we were having our conversation today about the book and about this period in Costa Rica that I miss, how can I bring that peace back into my life today? And how can I help you bring it into your life? And so here's how she coached me and helped me to find that piece of how to bring it back into my life today. And so I was telling her last week as I was writing, there are several different songs that we, all four of us can connect immediately to um, different countries that we're in. And so for Costa Rica, the Eagles were a really big deal for us. We, used to, we listened to the Eagles many, many times, like on the beaches or at, at home, if we were just at home listening to the music. And so anytime there's a couple of particular Eagles songs that anytime any of us listens to them takes us right back there to that whole scenario. 
that whole way of life, that whole way of being and living. And so yes, last week as I was writing the book and, and um, transcribing our conversations from my coach, I turned on one of the Eagles songs and I was so fully immersed in that lifestyle that we were leading. It lasted me for half the day. I just ebb and flowed with what was going throughout the day. And then I was chucked back in almost to reality and brought back to, okay, robotic-like, I need to work. I need to go get my son. I need to get dinner going. The sounds. And I know you're probably even thinking, oh, my God, I can't even do that because I can't get present because I have so many things going on in my life. Here's what I desire to impart to you today is to find that space where you can listen to your own ebb and flow of your life. So let me give you an example of how I am going to practice more mindful listening in my daily routine so that I can get back that piece of listening and that piece of presence and mindfulness. So we were going through my day as I live it now, and she was asking me how I could bring in that presence and that listening piece, because that's exactly what we were doing in Costa Rica. We were listening to the ebb and flow of ourselves and to the family and listening to what we needed. Do we, did we all need to get on the bikes that day and you know ride down 10 miles and go for pizza and then ride back, or did we need a day on the beach, or did we need a jungle trek that day? So we were so in tuned with the vibration of ourselves and our family. And once we came back to the States, it was really easy to lose that peace. And so she was asking me, how can I get that back into my everyday life? And so for me, the key piece of listening is letting go of the chatter. How do I let go of the chatter? For me personally, tune out, not even tune out, to quiet down the chatter is by literally writing something out or writing it out on my notes on my phone, writing it on a piece of paper, writing it on my Google Docs so that it gets out of my brain and stops talking. So that is a practice that I'm going to implement is that when something is keeps repeating that I don't want to forget or that I need to do is to writing it down in one of those forms so that it's no longer replaying in the back of my mind. Another piece is to be present with my family. I am on such a mission right now with writing this book and with all of the back pieces that I am doing right now and creating really big pieces in my business, which you will probably see in about some, well, several months that you'll be able to see the fruits of my labors that are going on now. Because there are so many things like you have going on in your life, how can you bring these pieces of presence and listening into your day. So other than writing something down, 
or even vocalizing. Like I have um, an audio app where you just uh, record it, you know, like if I'm out running and I've got all these ideas running in my head, I will literally just start recording the ideas as I'm out running so that they can stop chattering. The other, well, not the, another piece of reconnecting is to be fully present with my son. So I find myself becoming annoyed with the time that he wants from me. And that's crazy because I don't want to be like that. I want to be present with him. The annoyance part is because I'm at a period in my life where, so he is my third son. I've been doing the mom gig for 27 years. I'm really ready to transition into me and being present out in the world versus where I've been for 27 years, being present in my family and being super available to my family and being focused on my family. I'm now ready to be super focused on my work, be available out in the world. But I have to remind myself, I still have a son who's 16, who is still my child and needs my attention. And so I want to be available. Equally, my husband, I want to be available. I don't want to be annoyed that my family still wants my time and requires my time. I mean, it sounds really silly to say, but I know that you can completely identify with this piece. And so... And let me just caveat that with, it's completely normal. If you're like between the ages of late 30s and 50, it's that midlife transition for women. It's completely, completely normal to have that transition, whether you have children or not, to want to transition into a different role and being available in a different way and available in a different space than you have in the first part of your life. So this is a completely normal transition. Please do not beat yourself up for having these thoughts and these feelings like I've just described if you have them as well. And so here's what we came up with is that I am not as available as I was. Like all of the time I used to give to my husband and to my son, especially my son, aren't as available as they used to be because I am focusing more on my business and my book, writing my book and focusing on workshops and whatnot. So I made a commitment today to the time that I do have with my son, because it is more limited, to being present and listening, to mindfully kind of brain dump right before I go pick him up from school or if my husband has picked him up right before he comes home or right before I know, okay, then we have got hour together, full on, right before that piece, to mind dump whatever I'm doing to take that space, even if I have to take five minutes before I go to him or whatever, and get present so that I can be available and listen. And that piece feels really good because I used to do that before we left the country, even, I could hear and I could I listened and I could hear what it was that he was saying and equally what it was that he wasn't saying. And I don't have that available to me anymore because there's so much going on and I haven't made a mindful shift to be consciously available when we're chatting. Like I am chatting with him and equally simultaneously 
there are 10 other items on my agenda playing in my background, um, my voices going on. And I find myself saying, sorry, could you say that again, please? I didn't hear that last piece, even when I'm looking right at him. So making that mindful shift is what I'm choosing to do. And I think I want to tell him about it, too. I think I want to tell him I want to be more mindful and more present with you and be able to listen to you. Although now that I say that, I don't know that he'll get it. He'll probably think I'm being woo-woo again. (laughs) Maybe I'll just keep that to myself and commit to that to myself. Equally with my husband, I don't even need to say it to my husband. I just need to make that commitment to myself of being present and listening. Listening to myself and listening to them. So I think it's almost easier as I talk through this, making that commitment to listen to them and be present with them because I'm another component in that circle. Equally, I need to make the commitment to myself to listen to my own needs and my own cycles of ebbing and flowing versus continually pushing on in my work because I love my work. It's very exciting. Several months ago, if you would have asked me, I would have said I love my work, but I wasn't willing to put forth the effort that I'm putting now. I mean, just such a big shift has happened. And so... I need to be just as mindful with myself and listen to myself as I am listening to them. So the way that I tune in to me and listen to me is through meditation and through breath. And that might work for you. Taking those few deep breaths and when you have so much going on and just want to center, just that deep it's that deep breath in through your nose and holding it maybe even for three seconds and then letting it all out. Sometimes I feel like it's through my mouth. Sometimes I feel like it's through my nose. I don't think you can do this wrong. It's whatever feels right to you. And let's just do it. Breath in. It already makes me present. Just that those two breaths. <laughs> and listen to my voice. I'm already present. I'm super present. And in this manner, I can really tune in and ask myself what I need for the day. And so this is what I do in the morning. I think I would like to start practicing it about midday as well. How is my day going? Does anything need to shift? Do I need to add something? Do I need to take something away? Getting present again during the middle of the day. You might already be doing this. However many times a day you need to get present is perfect. So taking those deep breaths in and then asking yourself, self, how can I best help you today? Or 
how can I best help you in this moment? What do you need from me right now? And then just listening and being open to whatever randomness or clarity comes up for you. And then acting on it. Because you've just tuned into yourself. You've asked for guidance from yourself. Yourself will always, 100% of the time, guide you on the right path. It will never, 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 never a bazillion times steer you wrong. So listening to that inner voice, that inner guidance, and that if it's still not clear for you, ask for another sign. Ask for a sign. Ask for some more clarity. Like, I don't get that. What, is, what does that mean? Ask for more clarity on the guidance that you get. And then be present to whatever guidance. Don't take it for granted. Don't think it's silly. If someone else comes with a message for you, take it. Like you think, oh, my God, that was so exactly what I was asking for today. Take that message as a guidance from your higher self, from your unseen friends, from your angels, from your guides. Tune in and get really present and practice your listening skills. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to do the same and I'm going to listen and get more present a couple more times a day than I've been doing and recalibrate my day. Kind of assess how it's going. See what else I need to make myself happy, to make myself more peaceful, more present. And I hope you can do the same. I hope this has helped you and guided you through getting present and getting more mindful and tuning in and listening. (sighs) Thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Next week, I have a guest on, a Hay House author, Mary Shores, who will be joining me, and we will be chatting about conscious communication. I'll see you then.